I'm Unacceptable Adam. You may know me from holding such unacceptable views as children's mRNA shouldn't be experimented on for a virus that doesn't threaten them, and sacrificing our freedoms to a Chinese communist-style biomedical security state is a dumb and dangerous idea. Hi, I'm Acceptable Alex. You may know me from holding such acceptable views as it's okay for unelected health officials to have the power to destroy children's mental and emotional health for a virus that doesn't threaten them, and forcing every human on earth to take the same experimental pharmaceutical product under the threat of total ostracization and violent coercion is a good idea. I'm backed by a pharmaceutically funded corporate media conglomerate that has helped foment every war in modern history while protecting the pedophile elite that have spent the entire pandemic magically free of the same COVID restrictions I support. Watch the entire six episode series starting April 8th only on Rise TV. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a special guest today. I have Simon Esler. He's a comedian. And this was a fun show to do. And we talk about all sorts of stuff. It went in different directions than I was expecting. You know, we got all into the metaverse. We got into all sorts of things. You know, the interesting part of this conversation, you know, we're in such absurd times that just this, just the regular what's going on is so absurd. You can laugh about it and we need to laugh about it. And that's the point of this show is that we need to laugh. We need comedy to maintain our mental health. And it's time for us to get back to having some comedy and some some comic relief. You know, it's a relief. It lets you laugh and have fun. I like to go to shows that are more light or watch shows that are more light and funny right now because I deal with such hard stuff that, you know, all day long I'm dealing with hard stuff. So I like to just sit and relax and laugh and have a good time. And we need more of that. So hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. But before we get into this, I want to tell you, I have a $15 coupon for anybody who wants to get it at controlyourhealth.care. It's a great time to try some product that you want to try because I got that $15 off coupon. It's just a 15 off and I'll have it below, but 15 off and it's good through this Sunday. So, you know, just uh, remember that, get it before this Sunday. But if there's a product you've been eyeing, you know, that the products on there are amazing because it's a lot of, a group of holistic doctors and scientists that put these things together with millions of blood samples, what works the best. And then what I have on my site was curated for a group of doctors. They invited me in to be part of this group. And so most of them are doctors and holistic uh, practitioners and great people that I work with. And I think you will love the products. When you get to the website, take some time to click around. The ones that I have on top are ones that I've been promoting. I have some other ones I've been promoting that are not on top, but it's basically you need your basic nutrition. So that's why I have the ones I have on top. And then because of the time of year, everybody wants to lose weight. So I have the Rev product on top, but there are so many other good things like the collagen gummies that I've been taking. I mean, because it has five different types of collagen that does everything from your skin and nails to your stomach lining. I didn't realize how much your stomach lining needs collagen as well. But I also really highly recommend the minerals because it comes from really enriched soil that it's you can't really get anywhere else. They call it the dinosaur soil of plant-enriched minerals, especially if you're at high risk for any of this COVID crap. 
you need to have good nutrition. And so starting with nutrition that is absorbable, and I would tell you not everything out there is, is the ones, even if they say it is, I would be, I don't know, be, make sure you do your homework. And that's why I love this stuff is because there's it's backed by so much science and real work and testing on what works with people. So it's really good stuff. So anyways, go to controlyourhealth.care and use the $15 coupon. And those of you who are already buying, use the $15 coupon. It's a little treat from us to save some money on things. Okay, remember, go to my website, sarahwestall.com. Sign up for my newsletter, support my affiliates. It's how I keep this show going. And all of you, I love you for supporting me and for sharing my work. I just, I love being in this journey with so many great people. And so many people are turning around. You know, this has been a hard, for me, it's been a hard five years. And I can feel, really feel the difference. And it's really great to have so many more people joining this fight and getting out there and realizing it takes all of, it takes a group of us. It, you know, you can't just be a few of us out there talking on the internet. That's not going to work. It takes all of us working together and making a difference. And they, they're going to back down. We're already seeing amazing things like the Ministry of Truth is on pause and that Nina Jankowitz backed, it resigned. She backed down and we're seeing amazing things. So we just got to keep at it and things will go our way. So anyways, let's get into this really great conversation with comedian and entertainer Simon Essler. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah, well, you have an interesting thing going on in comedy. I mean, we comedy has been decimated over the last few years. Uh, the Babylon Bee seems like they're the, I mean, they've just been cleaning up because they don't have much competition. And there's a huge market there. And as a comedian, I see that you've kind of walked into that space. I think there's so much opportunity. Why? Is that why you got into it? Or what, what made you think that it's your turn and you're going to do this? Well, I had been playing in the comedy space, but more in the theater world for many years. For So for about 15 years, I was doing comedy theater on stage. Uh, and so, you know, over that time, I developed like over 50 different characters and like helped create all these different shows. It was a really big part of my life. But then when the lockdowns hit, the whole theater industry here disappeared. And even the company I had been working with for all that time completely shut down. Mm. And it was it was honestly sort of out of survival for me where I got to a point in the lockdowns and the struggle of everything that was going on that I realized the extent to which I really needed to express myself comedically to process everything that was going on. And I knew that if I was in that place that there were also others who, for health reasons even, actually needed a comedic perspective on what was unfolding in the world especially because I've been living also in the, you know, the conspiratorial spaces and like alternative media communities and watching what it does to people when all they do is dig through the doom and gloom and the lies all the time and they never engage it from a lighthearted perspective. So from, from my vantage point, there was the survival element, but it was also like a medicine I wanted to offer because I knew that people needed lightheartedness to, to even make it through this and to protect their minds and their perspective on, on who they are and what's going on around them. Well, isn't there so much material though here? I mean, because when things are so extreme, the material, because isn't comedy about the, the absurd and about just pointing out 
you know, and exaggerating, right, with normal people in absurd situations. And it's almost like that defines what we're dealing with right now. There's genuinely a struggle to even satirize what's going on right now. <laughs> like, I've actually got... <laughs> Because the truth is almost like it's satire. That's funny. It is. It's like, you know, I've been, I've slowly had this uh, mockumentary in production and I keep having to re-envision it. Uh, It's a concept called trans meta. And the the concept that I'm playing with is that the direction we're going with all like the, the, the gender warfare and all that stuff is that, you know, the end point is really just transhumanism. Yeah. The end point is people being in the metaverse all the time and saying, look, I identify with my avatar more than my body. So you need to identify me as trans meta and respect my identity and only look at me through the metaverse, only look at me through your metaverse goggles. And that's respecting my identity. So, you know, I started playing with that. And along the way, I was playing with the idea of, you know, people identifying as animals and people wanting to be permanently uploaded to the metaverse. And then I found out that all of that was already going on, that there's already you know, there's a Russian billionaire pushing to have permanent uploads to the metaverse. And you have people on TikTok genuinely identifying as animals. And I like I had already made a lot of this and I was like, it's not satire anymore. It's just what's happening. It's so weird. I mean, people are going to I can see people wanting to do this. Right. And I can see that this is what they're pushing. But what are people going to do when they're sitting in this? avatar how are they going to eat and how are they going to function and i mean it's just so weird that people are willing to, isn't isn't that just an extreme existence i think so and i think you know people fail to reconcile what people like Klaus Schwab are really pushing which is that yeah, kind yes. of absurd existence that he's pushing for the rejection of of humanity itself of the human body of the journey within the human body that the body is itself is an obstacle to that particular sort of great reset agenda. And so it it has to become absurd because they're trying to deconstruct the human identity on every level so that the end point is, why do you even need your body? Like, you you don't really, that's not even who you are. Like, that was a big waste of time. That's why I see this, like, this creeping of like a medical surveillance state all all along the way because the invasion of the body is also the deconstructing of the human identity in terms of the body. And the other, the flip side of that is really like a spiritual path where we are deepening into the body. We are honoring the body more. We are embodying our our life path truly. And so you see these sort of these divergent paths forming. And I think people really need to understand that even though it's very upsetting to have the whole gender warfare thing and you have a lot of like people fighting to protect the kids from, you know, life altering hormone therapies and early surgeries and all these things. Like that stuff is scary, but it's even scarier that the endpoint rejects even all of that and it goes full transhumanism. Uh, I really, you know, I want to encourage people to understand that part of it. So, you know, I, I have some future material that I'm that I'm working on in that direction. But you know, in in terms of the series that I just created for Rise TV, I wanted to play with uh, the notion of absurdity on a different level, and so that's why I built the series on the idea of different timelines. And the notion that, you know, what if we could look at timelines that were even more absurd than this one? How far could I take it to be like, whoa, in this timeline, it's even weirder. And that sort of gave me the capacity. I was like, finally, I found a way to satirize this. Okay, it's just so weird. Well, do you think that, you know, getting to realism for, 
Do you think there's going to be a group of people, like almost three groups, like the ones who just full blown go into the metaverse and just love it and live their life in the metaverse? I don't know how they're going to, what are they going to wear? Diapers? I mean, I don't know. That's a good theme. Talk about people wearing diapers and having nursemaids. And then there's a middle group where they use it as entertainment, almost like the holodeck. I mean, that would be kind of cool if it was balanced entertainment and you did it in a way that was healthy and then there's going to be people that completely reject it a hundred percent you know i suppose there's a whole spectrum of people but there's going to be the two extremes and then kind of the people who balance it out i I mean is that a realistic view of what where we're going yeah i mean i think it's about the philosophy that that we embrace in terms of the technology we're developing because technology can be infused with you know very uh, very spiritual ambitions even, or technology, yeah. This, you know, like the metaverse, for example, one of the very interesting applications of the metaverse could be that you get a full 3D scan of your body and you get to deal with your own health on a deeper level. So let's say you have a sickness, you could actually use virtual reality to go into your body and interact with it more deeply and have a better understanding of like your own path to wellness. And I really believe that things like that could genuinely help people reconnect to the body interestingly enough right so we have some of those applications that are possible and so it's about taking back our culture you know that's the that that sort of brings us to the culture war element of all this because if we can't win the culture war then we can't create the the moral direction that we need to apply this kind of technology in, in a way that isn't going to harm so many people so you know with the with all the the, the warfare in schools going on, like deconstructing children's identities. I think the goal is to produce a few generations or, or to, to create a, a sort of generational effect that by the time we get a couple generations into that, they're fully willing to accept the more extreme version of this, which is like people in diapers, like living in the metaverse. Like, <laughs> you know, I think that's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I think, I think so because like there's a rejection of the human body that is, is planted within a lot of the gender theory. For example, there's, there's a concept that uh, one of the most imbalanced things in this world is that women have to bear children, that, that the, the bearing of children is upon women and that this is unjust in and of itself, that nature is unjust and that we need to correct it so that uh, even men could potentially carry the babies. And like, you know, I've seen this, this was discussed openly. There was a, a Netflix series, oddly enough, but it was, a, it was just a, a reality TV show uh, about, um, it was like artists competing in welding competitions and creating all this different art. And one of the artists, she made a piece that was like a pregnant man. And she was talking about how the greatest issue in this world is the burden of women having to bear children and that we need to overcome that technologically. And to me, I see that as a fundamental rejection of the feminine, of femininity and of the feminine body. Right. So I think I, I, you know, I, I think that the, I've had two children. And so the process of having a child uh, if you're mentally stable and centered, I think brings you so much closer to the baby, right? I mean, the second one was incredible. The first one, I was like, what's going on here? This is pretty weird. The second one, it's like, oh, this is really cool because then I could really connect and, and you know, every part of it was cool. I, I think that people who are discriminated, you see this in the black community, you see this with white men who are, held down and whatever every single person who's had a rough situation and have been abused or bullied in some way they get a chip on their shoulder 
and it manifests into that. And so all they can see is a negative effect of what it is that they're fighting instead of embracing it and using it, redirecting that energy, almost like, you know, martial arts, you redirect that energy to that is your, your greatest asset is, you know, it's hard, but it's also your greatest asset, but people can't get there. And, um, and I think it has to do with the pain that they're suffering and then it manifests itself out that way. And I think as a comedian, you understand pain, right? Cause isn't a lot of comedy sourced in pain. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I have two different bodies of comedy on Rise TV. I have the my new series, Simon Esler's Dystopian Imaginarium. And that's like me tumbling through timelines, stuck in a deep underground military base. And, you know, that's sort of the, the conceptual journey. But I also have a 60-minute comedy special that's called Theorize About Conspiracies. And that I actually made emerging from the lockdowns directly. And it was really like... Uh, it, it was a journey for me to reconnect with my city and the place where I live to try to heal from the experience of being locked down and, and not being able to take my children to parks, you know, like all the parks here were like caution taped off and shut down. Kids weren't allowed to play. And so I spent months healing from the lockdown by making this 60 minute comedy special and bringing myself out of the darkness that I had, you know, ended up in. And yeah, I think comedy is a form of adaptation. And I would say this is one of the fundamental things that's also being sort of attacked is our capacity to adapt to suffering. And as you can see, like, you know, people talk about like a great awakening occurring on Earth and this idea that there's like a massive awakening or a huge change occurring on Earth. And the fundamental element of that, I believe, is the pressure that is occurring for all of us to adapt to increasing rates of change. We can see since since we entered 2020, the rate of change around us is so greatly accelerated. And so the pressure on us to adapt more effectively and more quickly is, is huge. And I think this is what we're facing as a collective. So comedy, to me, is one of the most efficient ways to adapt to what's going on and to recognize that we will always struggle. But does the struggle always have to be suffering? I don't think so. I think the struggle can be transmuted through comedy and we can look at how absurd it is and engage the, the duality of our existence, which is to say that it can be funny and horribly tragic at the same time. Like, yes, children in schools, I would say, are in real danger right now of indoctrination and to, to an extent, a certain amount of physical harm, let's say. But on the other hand, you know, it's really absurd what they're doing and their, their philosophy is absurd and it's illogical and it's a bit of a house of cards. You know, sort of like you see Matt Walsh going on and all he's asking is, what is a woman? And that one question is like a nuclear bomb for the philosophy <laughs> of a lot of these people. Like, they can't even handle a single question, right? So it's I like, know. It's incredible. It is incredible. I, there was a, a editor of the New York Times that put out, I mean, it's funny, but it was tragic, where he put out this uh, clip about how you need to get don't be a prick, get a prick. And that he's talking about the jab and he got a booster shot and the next day he died, you know? And, yes. and it, the thing is, is that there were people that put it in, but they, they had to like tone down the point that it's, it was kind of funny, but yet it was tragic. I mean, somebody died from a booster shot, but the guy literally put a commercial the day before together saying, don't be a prick and all these things. And then he dies. And the, it, it, it's those kinds of things. How do you, 
I mean, it's like that comedians are afraid to go there because some of it is they're afraid to offend people. And so comedy has itself died. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole the whole woke philosophy and cancel culture has really, really gone after comedy because its role is to challenge what's going on. Its role is to find the sort of edge of where we're at and what people can and can't handle. It's supposed to sometimes cross those boundaries. It's supposed to offend people. And it's also supposed to make us look at why we're offended and whether or not that even has any legitimacy. And I think there are some comedians that have held the line. You know, when you look at, you know, people like like Dave Chappelle, I really appreciate the extent to which he he refused to go down the path of like sort of fully bowing down and apologizing and sort of just held his own. I, I think we need a lot more of that. I don't think apologizing to the woke mob serves anyone. It certainly doesn't serve the comedians who fall prey to that. And so, you know, we really need a return to comedy that is truthful because the funniest thing is the truth. It's always yes. what makes us laugh the hardest is when something is so true you burst out laughing uncontrollably. This is one of the amazing things about memes and just like meme warfare, that a good meme, just this one simple image will make someone laugh because it's so unbelievably true. And we need this, like we need this medicine very, very badly. And it's why I'm passionate about bringing comedy that actually engages what's going on directly to people's lives because there's a lot of avoidance. Like there's a lot of safe comedy out there that is just not, it's not funny. It doesn't actually serve our, our awakening and our capacity to adapt to this, the serious difficulties that we're facing right now. Well, the, yeah, like you said, the funniest stuff is just the most direct, obvious thing that nobody is saying really, right? And comedy yes. can be the one way that you can break the ice and everybody can show the absurdity of it. I was uh, I just read Babylon B, which I think is kind of where you're going down. You're different than them, but in the same realm. There isn't very many people doing this, so I'm so glad you're doing it. But I just read it this morning, and they said the absurd. They said babies are <laughs> their babies are disguising themselves as Ukrainian soldiers so that they can get funding because you know because they're starving because there's no yeah. baby formula. I mean, it's just yeah. so absurd. But yeah. uh, and then and then, you know, they asked for help. And he said, Biden says the only thing he can do is implement the the or what did he say about allowing more access to abortions? I mean, it's just like it's so it's, silly. It's it's it's, well, so it's, a, it's it's traumatic and absurd at the same time. Right. You got to yes. laugh because yes. otherwise you would cry. And that, I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, I'll have, every once in a while, I'll have someone challenge me and be like, how dare you make a joke about this? This is horribly tragic. Children are suffering. How dare you? How dare you? And, and like people sometimes forget it is this duality element that because something is funny does not negate the tragedy of it. We live in serious duality. You know, another sort of vantage point of that is the knowing and not knowing. Like a lot of people are scrambling to know what the hell is going on right now. What are they yes. really up to? Where are we really headed? But how is this all, is this all building to a breaking point? What's really going to happen? And so there is a mad struggle to know what's going on, but that isn't being balanced, in my opinion, by people just relaxing into not knowing, into having no idea what's going to happen, because we don't, we really don't, no matter how knowledgeable we are in whatever rabbit holes, we don't know what's coming yet. Well, we don't know how, well, we don't know how much our pushback is going to change what their push is. Because it is changing it, right? 
Yeah. And, and even if we're in their rooms and we know exactly what they have planned, they don't know what the reaction of everybody is to us. And we have more power than them if we just decide we're going to do something. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. You don't like what is going on, but some of the absurdity, I think catching comedy will reach those deep down that are unable to be reached by people like me. You know, I can't reach, uh, sometimes across, you know, younger people or people who are just stuck in their way of thinking, but sometimes comedy can reach them. Yes, I believe that is definitely true. You know, it's been my experience. I've actually had people around me wake up to some of these truths because of the comedy that I'm making or because of comedy they've found elsewhere. You know, you see that with like J.D. Sears, for example. You know, he turned into someone who, who, who is now like a voice for the truth in a way that I think is far evolved from where he began. His origins in comedy were about just sort of making fun of spirituality and, you know, the, the sort of vagueness of new ageisms and how uh, a lot of it was kind of absurd in and of itself. That's where he began, but now he's ended up being uh, a freedom fighter, really someone who's fighting for free speech and free thought. And I think this is really important. And for me, I would say like free thought is one of the core concepts that that I hold dear, especially as I'm creating comedy and even some of the more like insightful and serious content that I'm creating. Free thought, I think, is an anchor. And I think that's a really important concept for people to remember that the capacity to think freely means to produce your own thoughts free of dogma, authority and tradition. And so I personally check in with myself. It's like, is my thinking free of any attachments to those things? Because I believe that's sort of how we got stuck where we are. That's how we got led down so far down this path that we didn't quite realize what was being done to us. And yeah. now so many people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're not just realizing what's going on right now. They then have to realize what has been going on, you know? And where they want to take us, right? I mean, and I think it's a mind blown of where they want to take us. You know, people yes. are just catching up to what's going on right now, but holy crap, when they realize where they want to take us, right? Yeah. Now, I think a comedian has to be in tuned with culture more than people realize. Because to be really good at comedy, you have to be in touch with, I mean, it's a very complicated, it's a sophisticated art. Yes, it's, it's you know, I've had to really refine my process uh, in terms of cultural consumption and cultural production and what that balance means for me. Because there are times when I'm perhaps over-consuming content and and it's becoming imbalanced for me and isn't actually uh, an amount of content I can consume while maintaining like balanced mental health. Yep. Uh, and so you, you have to really watch for that, especially those of us who are very open-minded or those of us who have been searching for these deeper, more occulted truths before the, yep. the whole like pandemic unfolded around the planet, that whole concept unfolded around us. So those of us that are very open-minded and have been digging, 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 we have a tendency to over-consume content to our own detriment. And so I've had to find sort of a system where I'll, I'll consume a certain amount of culture and keep up with what's going on. And then I have to withdraw and just let it sort of within me and unfold. And I'll do some writing and take some space from it. And, and really let it sort of gestate within me because there's a certain amount that that occurs 
as an artist that just has nothing to do with you. It's not up to you. It just comes through you. And I've always found that as an artist, that there's an, as a, an amount of letting go that has to occur. And so you need to balance that letting go with the, the consumption of culture and staying current. And if, if you grasp too much to the consumption element of it, you become too controlling. And then you don't have that requisite amount of emptiness to sort of let inspiration arrive. And, and unfold into something that is of service to people. And the, the sketches that hit the hardest and the things that I think impact people the most are the things that I really just let sit and unfold naturally within me and that I didn't sort of oversaturate myself with what's going on because that's so easy, you know? It's like you can get lost in like 20 Telegram channels for like two hours. It's, you know, it can be crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I actually relate to that. I think when I am um, don't know what to cover or whatever, I just have to take that step, step back and I just let it come to me. I just know that's the process. Just let it come to me. And then all of a sudden, all these things come to me. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how that, you know, it's pretty weird. But it's a weird right. process. Yeah, it's really helpful to know. Yes. What do you think of Saturday Night Live? I mean, I think they've turned into just like this political lecture series for this left brainwashing. I, I don't think the left is a, a classical liberal anymore. I don't think they represent an American, any Americans other than the people who are extreme. And I don't think they've, I don't think all of them have woken up to the fact that it's not what they think it is. It's not a classical liberal Democratic Party that you've always thought it was. It's it, the Democratic Party has left them. As Cynthia McKenney says, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. It left me. Um, but Saturday Night Live um, essentially represents that kind of that extreme. And I don't, the left isn't even the right way to say it. It's the globalist narrative agenda and whatever it is that they're trying to do. And so Saturday Night Live has really turned into this lecture series. I, do they even have anybody that watches them anymore? I know that their their ratings have gone way down, and I would agree with you. I think it's really important to distinguish the concept of a left wing of politics with uh, a weaponized propaganda arm of you know globalists and uh, and even Luciferians to an extent, because you have a exactly. lot of weird like Satanism being embedded in a lot of things. And yep. so I try to disassociate from the idea that it's just like the left, the left side of the political spectrum is this, because it really isn't. Like it's it's really been infiltrated by warfare in a way that the right has not. Like left and wing, left and right wing politics have always had their own corrupt issues. But I would say this yep. is different than corrupt politics. It truly is warfare. And I think taking the stance of, uh, of of seeing it as warfare is helpful. And, you know, every once in a while, I will watch Saturday Night Live to see, like, what are they up to? Because I want to know, what is the propaganda arm up to? What is it doing here? And it, most of the time, it ends up being, yeah, overly, uh, overly biased in a specific uh, line of thinking, which makes it way less funny because it's not about truth. It's not about that moment of like, oh, my God, that's so true. And you crack up laughing. They really are trying to sway people's minds. And, and in a way that is often very dark, I, I recently saw a sketch on their show that was acknowledging all the stuff that was coming out about masks not working and the inconsistent, like the inconsistencies about, you know, the jab data. And it was a the sketch was a dinner party where this was basically coming up. And it was the horrible anxiety they were all getting. The joke was the horrible anxiety they were all getting that none of them even needed to be masking or to get the job. 
that, you know, it was all absurd. But what was really dark about this is that they're cracking those jokes and literally citing articles and studies that had come out to reveal this while they're being watched by a fully masked, fully vaccinated audience. Yeah. And to yeah. me, that's like a really dark ritual. That's very strange. <laughs> How could you I, do that, that while you're being watched by these people? Like that, that's, that, that, that really made me feel like the space itself was engaged in a very strange ritual. And that may, may be you just being conspiratorial, conspiratorially minded. But I think the truth is that it was one of the times when I was like, well, they are using the truth to try to make a joke, but at the same time, they're in a space that is completely consumed by this narrative, completely committed to it. And they end each, the craziest thing about Saturday Night Live is that they do all these sketches and all this content unmasked, and then they end every episode with all the actors masked saying goodnight. It is the <laughs> weirdest thing I've ever seen. What is that? It's so bizarre. Like, that's a ritual to me. That's not science. That's nothing to do with science. It's a bizarre ritual. And so when you see the way that space has been infiltrated by things like that, you really have to question what's going on. Like, why, why are they doing that? Why are they doing this entire show unmasked? And then all of them are putting on these black masks at the end and pretending like that has anything to do with health and safety. Uh, it's a very, very strange outlet now that it's been infiltrated to such a great extent. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think that it, what made artists good are those that rebel against just whatever. They're open, but that they rebel, they let creativity flow through them. And all of that seems lost on these people. The, the essence of what makes a great artist has been stripped away from these comedians. And yeah. from a lot of Hollywood, actually, frankly. Yeah, I mean, Hollywood is in shambles right now. Uh, it's an absolute mess, as you know, which isn't really surprising because it was a place filled with corruption and sort of just incestuous, cannibalistic behavior. Um, Satanism was deep in Hollywood, right? And so it's almost like it collapsed in itself as people are realizing the horror of what Hollywood is. You know, from a metaphysical perspective, you know, a lot of people talk about how the sort of background frequency of Earth is shifting. You know, people talk about how the, the the frequencies that were sustaining the reality we were in are going away and being replaced with something different or something new. And some people interpret that as our relationship to the truth is changing at a fundamental level so that those who were relying on lies like this, on huge veils of illusion, the only support they have is the extent to which we fully support it with our consciousness. And people are withdrawing like crazy from that. You know, people are escaping the matrix, so to speak, uh, at, at greater amounts and greater speeds than ever before. And I think there's something really powerful happening there, that that vacuum that's occurring in Hollywood is the withdrawal of the public consciousness. And you see, maybe then that's what was feeding this the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And what's going to happen now that we're not offering them that energy anymore? You know, I, I believe they're going to lose their power. But the, the, within that space, then within the collapse of this massive sort of cultural institution, can we step into its place and become producers of culture and culture that is authentic and true to who the people are, what the people want? And that's a really big part of this because. We've been misled in, in a couple of different ways. Not only have we been led into a culture that was uh, 
immoral and imbalanced and inauthentic and dangerous. Uh, but we were led into consumer culture itself, the notion that we just are consumers. Our role is to consume what is given to us from up on high. And this whole sense, this centralized production of culture has been one of the major, major issues going on. So not only do we need to win this, this war by starting to produce culture on the same level, like on the same production levels as these corrupt institutions, but we need to look at what it means to decentralize the production of culture. And I believe that's happening, right? Even right now, us, you know, talking on your show, we yeah, have yeah. alternative media nodes stepping up and they're not looking to fully replace what was there, but really to actually decentralize it. And I think that's a really exciting part of what's going on. And I believe that there's an empowerment there going on for the collective that is going to uplift all of us despite the suffering and the struggle that is going to be ongoing. Well, it's an organic development coming from the people because that's what culture is. You can, culture is not something that's top down. But yeah. I found that no matter how much they try to censor me, I keep growing. You know, people want this. They want authentic truth. My truth, I guess I don't know what all is true, but I try. And that's what they ask of you. They ask that you're not going to feed them BS on purpose. Right. Yes. You're going to do the best you can and be authentic. And that's what they want. And that's all they ask for. And that if you can give them that, you can be you're going to be much more successful. But that's not what we're getting. And they see through it. Right. They see through it and they don't like it. And they they see a darkness and they want out. And I think we're winning this war. I do. I just think people need to realize that if we all in mass decide that we have enough of it, they won't win, period. Yeah, and that's going to require, I think that's part of the attraction to authentic cultural content, because people are figuring out how to do that. How do I become myself so deeply that I then uplift the collective? And so we have like, you know, the idea, sometimes people get into the notion of like an awakening being like this collective sort of event where we, we fall into sort of a, a harmony or a, a similarity together. But I think it's quite the opposite. Like this awakening is the great individuation of the single individual. That's yeah. what this all is. And so people look to authentic cultural uh, content because they want to know, like, how do I really, really, truly become myself. And that kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, inspiration and cultural consumption that we want to balance our desire to figure out what's going on with the time we spend in actual solitude, like quality solitude, figuring out who we are, what we truly uh, believe and, and, and what we understand and what we don't know. And I think getting really, really truthful with ourselves about what we don't know is a major, major part of this. And you know, I personally am looking to produce more content in that area. So I'm launching a, a new podcast called the Finding Free Thought Podcast with my partner, Amanda. And one of the big things we want to explore is this space of not knowing, of being able to hold knowledge lightly and to move from different perspectives and different theories to deeply understand what's going on. Because we've spent years going through all of this, you know, I've been deep into the UFOlogy world and explored that and deep into like occulted and hidden spiritual knowledge. And I've gone down all those rabbit holes and they all offer, I think, really enriching understandings. And yet none of them offer a complete truth. And that's why they need to be held lightly. And so as we move forward together, I think it's going to be something that we've realized that that we are all so deeply unique 
that the arrival upon our own individual nature is is our into the awakening of the whole. Yeah, I kind of see it as a framework that's that's not set in stone. And I think that your way of saying it is really great because I always try to create a framework for my mental understanding. And as I learn more things, that framework changes. But sometimes I have no framework. I just have elements of it and I'm trying to create a framework and there is no framework yet. And that's the, you know, you just have information sources out there in the ether that you're trying to create a framework over. And you have to be comfortable of not having that framework all the time. And it's a difficult for me. That's why I'm on this quest all the time. But sometimes I just let it float out there because I don't know. Well, all the time I let it float out there because I don't know. Because some of these topics are so deep and so immense and, and they're coupled with false narratives on purpose. Yes. This is something that, you know, I'm exploring in one of the first episodes on our podcast is, is the actual, the covert infiltration of sort of truther communities, conspiracy communities, alternative media. There are genuine operations seeking to infiltrate, to muddy the waters, to take people's money and time and energy. This is a, it's a real threat. And while I do encourage people to be mindful of a victimization uh, perspective that, you know, this idea that we're constantly under attack, I think can be very dangerous for people's mental health. But at the same time, we have to be very, very honest and clear about the fact that our communities are infiltrated as we're over the target. You know, it's that idea yes. of taking the most flack when you're over the target. But what does that look like? What does it actually look like to be infiltrated? You know, and I, I've seen this having been in the conspiracy, into conspiracy culture for, you know, well over a decade now. I can see some things that never went away, like the idea that uh, we're all going to get like Nisara and Jasara and there's going to be like an imminent reset where everyone gets money. And, uh, you know, um, some of those concepts where it's like, I know there is likely to be some kind of large-scale financial change, and it's probably related to decentralization in some way. But at the same time, the notion that we're all about to be rewarded and everything's going to get easy, I see people falling for this still. Yeah, and that's really, you know, that's really difficult because th that's going to drain them. And, and it really has to do with something called operant conditioning. You know, and this is a really, I, I talk about this a lot because it's a really important concept that there's a behavioral science called operant conditioning where we are faced with punishments and rewards and we're, we're manipulated to get away from the punishment and go towards the reward, like a, like a rat, you know, like an animal in an experiment. And I think that's because we've been trained in that way as human beings, some people are still falling for this and we have to be vigilant in helping each other stay clear and stay out of those weeds because it can really just drain people's energy and take them away from that beautiful process of really truly knowing the self. And so the check-in that I often encourage people to engage in is, okay, yeah, you're searching for the truth and you're madly going on these rabbit holes. But when you emerge from that, what are you bringing back that is helping you know yourself more deeply in a practical yeah. way so you can move forward? Because you can go down a ton of rabbit holes that won't do anything for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a really good way of looking at it because, you know, there are there are people that talk about all these they call it hopium or whatever, but there's always these things that that's going to happen, but then never happens. Right. Yes. And yes, they're always so hopeful and we're going to win and all these things. And you know, it, it's very important to be positive and to look towards winning. Like I think we're winning this cultural war 
as more and more people group and unite from all spectrums, political spectrums. But that's very different than this one person or this one thing coming and blessing us from up on high, which you have to be careful whenever it's like something out there that comes from above, down from the mountain, blessing us all at once and saves us, that that's an obvious psyop, I think. Yes, it's this externalization. That's the opposite, right? We should be going more deeply into ourselves. Always, always. To me, like this is the, the path is an inward facing path. And so anything that is externalizing you in that way and calling calling your attention to a, a deus ex machina, you know, uh, is is probably something seeking to manipulate you. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say most of the time. And I can understand it to an extent because when you're first waking up to the lie of this world and the depth of the lies, it is extremely traumatic. It is yeah, an extremely is. traumatic experience. It can yeah. be uplifting in many ways because, you know, a lot of people start to experience synchronicities and they start making connections they never made before. And that part of it is, is exciting, but it's also a kind of trauma that exposes us to this operant conditioning and to the, the attachment to a deus machina coming in and, and changing everything for the better. And that we're, we're moving towards a breaking point. Everything's going to get easier. And I really don't feel that's where we're headed. I think things are going to get uh, better for humanity in terms of self-knowledge and self-awareness, but the collapse of all these old systems is going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. And, and the replacing of it is a lot of hard work. And it require, it's going to require a lot of us to actually practically come out of this step by step. Like, for example, if you look at the way children have been impacted by the indoctrination in schools right now, that's like that's like two generations of healing that we have to do because it's they're going to become adults. It's a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. You're going to have adults who who altered their physiology at a young age, who are going to wake up to what was done to them, and they're going to have to sort that out. And th that's going to take a couple generations of healing. So we have mm -hmm. a lot of work to do. And this notion that, that we're about to get to a breaking point or a plateau, and don't worry, it's going to get easier, can be very misleading. And I think that the piece that we need to be seeking is that deep knowledge of self that allows us to accept who we are on such a deep level that we become so much more practical in this war and we become contributors that are that are highly effective and political because we accept who and what we are and we know who and what we are to an extent that we're able to be of service in a way that is much more pure and not caught up in this externalization process that a lot of these agendas that have infiltrated the truth or communities have successfully done in my opinion yeah, this is really a great conversation. I was expecting it to be different. I'm so glad you're going there because I'm going through a lot of this same stuff. And I think that where it becomes easier is your own point where you start to be at peace with things and then you can become more clear as to what our enemy is and what we're trying to accomplish. And because I know it was more traumatic for me years ago when I started realizing what was happening with the children. I mean, it's still traumatic. You can't not be traumatized to know what this human tribe, what this Luciferian satanic cult is all about. However, you become more at peace with being very clear and focused on what it is that we're trying to do and who yes. our enemy is more. And just more of a common sense. I mean, I love what, how you said this because it really is true. It's a, and that is the awakening awakening isn't it i mean it is becoming closer if you're spiritual or you're religious becoming closer to what jesus tried to teach 
and it is the awakening it's becoming more peaceful and loving at the same time too but also fighting even harder because you're more crystal clear on where this is coming from yeah I think the, the concept of righteousness that is that is effective here is one that comes from authenticity and that isn't a no no that's been handed to us by dogma by authority by tradition you know, and that, that's why I always come back to free thought, because that, that notion that it's the idea that we should be using empiricism, logic, and reason instead of dogma, authority, and tradition. And I, I really do think that fits nicely with, like, the teachings of Jesus and all these different spiritual traditions, because the capacity for the individual to think freely is a very, very powerful thing when we're looking to be of service, because it takes great discernment to know how to be of service right now. It is a, a subtle art in many ways because it's not, it's just, it's very, it can be very, very murky. And so we find that that clarity, you know, to move forward amidst the warfare, there's something really incredible that's occurring there. And so, you know, there's that, 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 that operant conditioning element of it where it's like, everything's about to get better. We're all about to break free into like this new golden age. And, and that sort of misleads a lot of people. And the only thing there that is true is that if enough of us find that inner peace and acceptance with what's going on, yeah, there will be breakthrough. And it will mist the chaotic downfall of this old world into something that we are co-creating. Yeah. So, you know, there's like a contrast there. We're like, yeah, it's probably going to get more chaotic, but can we become more peaceful and authentic as that happens? And what will that mean? What will that do? I think that's more powerful than us all becoming calmer because things got easier. That's really not, you know, I don't think that's a true a transformation. No, I agree with you. I think, yeah, what a wonderful conversation this is. Where can people see more of your work? Because I really do see, <laughs> I, you know, you, you're a comedian, but, you know, you look at the the best comedians like George Carlin. He was so out there. I mean, he would say some... If he didn't say it the way he said it, it would have been really dark. He was very good at delivering very dark things. Yeah. And he was so funny, right? But people yeah. look back at what he said now and go, wow, you know, there was a lot of wisdom in his art, in his craft. And you can learn a lot through that. And you can grow spiritually through through comedy. You can, you know, you can just say, okay, this is the truth and not be afraid of it. Uh, so... I love the fact that you're doing comedy because I think it's what we really need as a culture. Where can people see your your new channel, your new series, and, and get involved in that? Yeah, so my, my new series is on Rise.TV. It's called Simon Esler's Dystopian Imaginarium. And this is a six-episode series where I am trapped in a deep underground military base with my gender-neutral AI friend, Pamuel. And... Me and Is Pamuel. that kind of like Pat back in the day on SNL? Yes. That was... yes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Pat now? Yeah. You know, I recently saw some memes that people started making with the Pat character because it's really quite on point at this at this time. <laughs> uh, so that was what I was going for. You know, this idea of like Pamuel, this gender neutral being that I'm pulling through timelines with. And us just sort of sorting out what's the timeline we arrived in today and what's it like compared to our old home timeline and what are the contrasts here? And so that's that's the journey uh, that I'm going through in this series on Rise TV. And I actually, I buttoned the whole series in the final episode. I shot 
seven different clones of myself and had seven different Simons from seven different timelines, just all talking about like their own timelines and what we might do for another season of the show and really just sort of exploring this idea. So uh, people can check out the full season on Rise TV. If you go to my website, uh, simonessler.com, you can see lots of previews of that and you can see the trailer. The trailer uh, on my YouTube channel actually has a link for a free trial so that if you want to just binge watch the series, you can you can check it out with the free trial and see it for yourself. And you can also check out my 60 minute comedy special theorize about conspiracies. And, and in that, I'm really playing with this idea that it's absurd that we're not allowed to theorize about those who conspire against us. I mean, what an absurd idea that we can't have theoretical thoughts about powerful people conspiring. Bizarre. Well, I, well I, everything is like backwards right now. And doctors not being, the science has been settled. Yeah, just like Flat Earth was settled, just like everything else has been, that's ridiculous. We is, are now at the pinnacle of human development and everything is settled. <laughs> You it's know? a bizarre, yes, they perpetually push, push this notion that it's okay, that the, the conversation is done, the science is settled. And so uh, I, I play with that a lot in the comedy special. And then also on Rise TV, I have a three-season series called Worlds Within, and that's more of like my metaphysical like wisdom teachings where I'm actually doing deep dives into things. And it's not necessarily, it's not a comedic series because I, you know, I'm looking... I'm growing as a cultural warrior. So I'm putting out comedy, but I'm also putting out insightful and, you know, yeah, things yeah. That, that are across the whole spectrum. So I have the full spectrum of things there on Rise TV. And then if you go to my website, simonessler.com, you can find everything else I'm up to. I'm launching uh, the Finding Free Thought podcast next week. And uh, that's uh, an exploration of uh, groupthink and the culture war and everything that's going on right now. And we're going to be looking at what it means to cultivate free thought throughout this entire bizarre experience of warfare across the earth. And uh, our first series in the podcast is actually on groupthink, where I, I interviewed a couple different people to explore this idea of what, what does it mean to fall into groupthink and how can this, this, way that human beings fall into the same thinking be detrimental but how can it also be used to advantage and so we get really really deep into that in in the group think series so i have a lot coming out right now that i'm really excited about i have a, also a, a locals community that people can join and that's a team free thought so that's at locals.com slash team free thought and that's going to be a private community where i'm releasing some exclusive comedy content and some of the documentary work that i'm producing and people can sort of become more intimate with what i'm doing and have some private chats and help me actually create some culture because i'm looking to create a feedback a more direct feedback system where we can co-create and i can put things out there that that i've generated with a private community well i think the free thought you know culture I, I mean what a great website and idea where you could get other you know you could have articles you could have all these things that really start to develop and i know that some other people have done like free, free thought project and stuff but you know there's there's you can have multiple people in the space and going in different directions because i love what you're thinking about i think this is just great there's so many so much opportunity there and I did a show uh, for the False Flags and Conspiracy Theory Conference. I was one of the presenters, and I did one on psyops and groupthink and brainwashing and whatever. I'll send you that. Yeah, but I think yeah, it you has... know, I'd love, I'd love to have you on the podcast. I'd love to have yeah, you come I... on and chat about it. 
I'd love to. It has a lot to do with groupthink and, and yeah. how they're doing these psyops. Because people yes. need to think about how is it that you're manipulated. Don't let yourself be manipulated. You become stronger and wiser and better in the process of understanding yeah. how not to let yourself get sucked in. But then there's times, you know, the best leaders are the best followers. There are times where you want to be part of the group because it's the right thing to do. And but there's a huge part of our physiology that is actually devoted to our social nature, right? It's yeah. like there's huge sections of the midbrain that yep. that are, are driving us towards our social nature and, and our capacity to co-create. And I think one of the things that people might miss in the group space is that even though there are sort of ubiquitous social engineering campaigns and psychological operations that are using these arching, these overarching tactics, the way that each person is pulled into groupthink and is manipulated is unique to that individual. So you have to look at where are you conditionable? Yep. Where in your being can you be misled? Because it's not the same as the other person next to you, even though you're both being subjected to the same campaign. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful things that we can benefit out of this, of learning and the technology that they're using in negative ways. We can turn it around and use it in positive ways. I would say technology is not, is an objective thing. It's not negative or positive. It's depending on how you use it. And there's so much beauty that we can, we just need to get bad guys out of power and, yeah. and take back control of our culture so that we can do great things. But I appreciate you so much. I love what you're doing. I love this conversation. Again, tell us your website. Uh, so SimonEssler.com. Yeah, check out SimonEssler.com. And you can find all the ways to support me. You can check out my free thought shop, get some swag. You can join my newsletter. And, you know, come join me on this journey because I'm looking to, to build and grow a community and win this culture war. That's excellent. Well, and we can all unite. Well, thank you so much, Simon. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. 